He does a great job, doesn't he? First Church, I'd like to welcome and thank Mr. Dylan Robbins of Salina for being our guest musician this morning. Also like to welcome all of you that are gathered here this morning and any visitors that we may have, and also those listening on radio. Thank you for joining us for worship at First Church this morning. Consistory has called a congregational meeting for next Sunday, February 24th, immediately following that morning's worship service. We'll be discussing and voting on our new heating system for the church. There will be no bell or vocal choir practices this Wednesday, February 20th. And lastly, uh, First Church would ex- likes to extend their sympathy to the family of Don Preter, who entered into Christ's care on Wednesday, February 13th. Friends and family may may greet the uh, friends may greet the family on Saturday, February 23rd from 9 to 11 a.m. in the Heritage Room over here at the church. And immediately after that, they'll be celebrating Don's life with a service at 11 o'clock that morning. At this time, Pastor Joel would like to come forward with one other announcement. All right. I want to take a moment and encourage you to uh, think about Wonderful Wednesdays. Uh, Believe it or not, they're less than a month away now. Uh, Wonderful Wednesdays is a program that we as a church put on for for ourselves and for our community uh, during the Wednesdays of Lent. So beginning March 13th and for five consecutive Wednesdays, we will be having our Wonderful Wednesday program here at the church. I want to take a moment and just share with you a little bit about what we do on Wonderful Wednesdays and encourage you to get involved and help out as you are, as you are able to do. Uh, the, the day begins about 3.15 right after school. Uh, we have a lot of school-aged children, ages kindergarten through sixth grade specifically, come and, and they are uh, here at the church for a time of of games, they get snacks, there's craft, there's music, and, and, and within that there's also opportunities, uh, within, uh, within the classroom, within age groups, to get some help with homework and, and do other activities that can, uh, use up that classroom time. Uh, and then following that after school program, there is a free dinner for all, so we invite families, and even if you don't have kids involved in the program, you're able to come and enjoy a free meal here in the ministry center. Uh, prepared by members of our church. And so uh, we encourage you to, to get involved. Uh, we are still looking for help. We have uh, many have volunteered to help already. So thank you if you if you are one of those people. Um, but we still are looking for help. Uh, a program like this takes a lot of people to to put on. Uh, and so we are still looking for helpers in the classroom uh, and other other spots that that are needed in order to, to make this program happen. Uh, if you're able and willing uh, or would simply just like more information, you can reach out to myself, uh, Connie in the office, Pastor Tori or Michelle Dillon, and we'd be glad to, to fill you in and get you connected and in, in how you can help. It really is a great program, and it's a way that we not only um, and not only is it good for us and the members of our church, but it's also a great outreach opportunity because we do have a lot of people from the community that aren't necessarily here on Sunday mornings that are involved in that wonderful Wednesday program. So what a great way to love on our community, uh, to, to help out those children with their schoolwork, to give them a safe place and uh, a fun time to hang out after school and then, and then a, uh, provide a meal for those families so we don't have to worry about that that evening. One less thing for families to, to consider as they are spending their time together. So please, uh, one, join us for Wonderful Wednesdays if you're able to, and two, if you're able to help, we encourage you to contact us and we'll get you connected. Thank you.
Thank you, Pastor Joel. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. I encourage you to take time to look them over. And now to start our service this morning, would you please join me in our call to worship? This morning it is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you through power, through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Please remain standing. Our opening hymn this morning is number 211. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus.
Had your children come forward for the children's chat. Just take a moment and greet one another. Good morning. Oh my gosh, that was really weak. Are you guys really here today? Yeah. All right, let's try it one more time. Good morning. Good morning. And how are you guys today? Good. Hey, what was what was um the other day? What did we celebrate this week? What did we celebrate? Did we celebrate Valentine's Day? We did, didn't we? Why? Why do we celebrate Valentine's Day? Because it's February and we just do that in February? Huh. Okay. Why do we celebrate Valentine's Day? Yeah. We share the, we, we, for the people we love, right? How, how do we? Like Jesus. Good job. Okay. So how do you how do you celebrate Valentine's Day? Okay, how how many of you had a party at school? And did you share things with your friends at school? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, who loves us most? Jesus. Good answer. That was a guaranteed answer. All right, because when no other answer works, Jesus always works. Or God, you're right. All right, so God loves us so much. And in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, do you know this verse? Do you really? Cool. Do you want to help me say it? Okay. If you know this verse, let's all say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's who, so whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, who loves us most? God. You know what? God gave his only son. Do you know when Jesus was born, God knew that he was going to die on the cross for us? He did. Yes, he did. And God loves us no matter what. No matter what we're doing, God loves us. On good days, on bad days, when we make wrong choices, God loves us very much. Okay? And that's what we need to remember. God loves us no matter what. All right, so let's go back to Valentine's Day. How do we show the people around us that we love them? Do we have to give them something? We do. We could. Do we have to buy them something? No. What could we do that doesn't take money? What could we do? Draw them a picture. What did you say, Jojo? Be nice. Yeah. Sharing. That's one way. Yeah. What about doing something for mom before she asks you to do it? Or what about just crawling up on the couch and cuddling with dad? That's how we show people that we love them. Or finding grandma and giving her a big hug. Grandpas like hugs, too. So 
Valentine's Day is all about how we show other people love. But we need to remember God loves us more than anything, even when we mess up. Okay? So let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children and the love they have, the pure love they have just because. Thank you that God loves us so much, even when we mess up, and offers forgiveness through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, have a great week, guys. Lost in our service in the last week. In Korea, Private Clayton Cepeda, 19, from the territory of Guam. In Nebraska, Private Aaron Mitchell, 21, from Valley, Nebraska. If you're able, I invite you to stand and join us as we sing number 447, Freely, Freely. seated. Before we pray together, I just want to point out uh, in your bulletins, you should have received a a bookmark. Um, I forgot to bring one up with me. So you all know what it looks like because hopefully you have one in front of you. Uh, It's got uh, it's got on the one side, it says, who am I? It's the prayer card. If you I uh, want to thank those who gathered with us this morning at 8 o'clock for our, our uh, prayer gathering. And we were able to pray through uh, 
the ideas in the scripture that are on the back of that card, uh, talking about who we are in Christ and our identity in him. just want to encourage you to take that card and place it somewhere in your Bible, um, in, in your purse, tape it on a mirror, do something, put it somewhere that you will see it. And remember uh, to pray about those things and pray about uh, asking God to help us to truly know and understand who we are in Christ, that we are uh, for, made in his image, that we are forgiven, that we are loved, and we are part of his family. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to take that and place it somewhere and continue to pray along those themes over the next several months. Um, and actually, that, those, those scripture passages and those ideas actually correspond with our wonderful Wednesday theme coming up, too. So uh, they will go hand in hand as we enter into Wonderful Wednesday as well. So I encourage you to, to be praying about those things for yourself, for your loved ones, for our church community and, and really for the world as we as we lift up those concerns or lift up those ideas together in prayer. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer together this morning. Father, we are we are here today because you freely give your grace and your love to us. Lord, it's not something we could earn on our own. It's not something we could possibly deserve because we are we have all sinned and fallen short of your glory. Uh, but the free gift of salvation is is ours in Christ because of what you've done for us. Not because of uh, anything we've done, but because all because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Uh, Lord, it's through his death and his resurrection that we have the forgiveness of sins, that we have uh, been welcomed into your kingdom and into your family. And Lord, we, we thank you for that and praise your name that we have that privilege. And, and Lord, we ask also this morning that you would help us to now share that love and share that grace with others. Lord, help us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Help us to, to point people towards that free gift of grace in Christ in ways, Lord, that, uh, that, that bring honor and glory to you. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to have conversations with family, with friends, with coworkers, with neighbors uh, that, that are uh, seasoned with the gospel and seasoned with grace, Lord. Um, and in, in and among those things, help uh, draw us to yourself and draw others to yourself and to your kingdom. Lord, we thank you uh, that we have this privilege uh, to come to you in prayer and, and continue to lift up the concerns that are ever before us in our own lives as well as those that are represented in the bulletin. I pray that you would bring, uh, bring exactly what is needed into those situations, bring comfort uh, and healing uh, for those who are in need, bring peace to those who are going through difficult times. We pray for healing for those who are in need of it. And in all things, Lord, we pray that, that your power would be made perfect in our weakness, that you would sustain us and guide us through, through our lives, whatever we may face, because we have the confidence that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, and, and we know that full well through, through the life and the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, and through your spirit's presence in our lives. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward.
If you're at our annual meeting in January, you know that we have, uh, with our new designated offering schedule, we have scheduled in a couple Sundays this year to help uh, with the heating system project. And so today is the first of those two Sundays. That is what our offering will be going to this morning. you are able to remain standing for our scripture reading this morning. It comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 15. 
And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in the heaven above or the earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live a may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Thank you, Maria. You may be seated. Father, we come to you this morning again with humble hearts and ask for your grace as we look at Uh, continue to look at these Ten Commandments. Lord, you have taught us through these words what it means to be in relationship with you and to to be in relationship with others in a a way that honors God and honors them. And so I ask, Lord, that you would uh, be with us now as we look at your word and continue that conversation. I pray that you give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. Now, I have to be completely honest with you. Over the last, uh, I, I've been looking forward to this commandment, not necessarily because of, of this command, commandment in and of itself. It just means that I've successfully gotten through the last two of them. Uh, the last two weeks, as if you have been here, have been not easy conversations, right? Not easy topics to handle. Very, a lot of hot button issues between thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not commit adultery. And I just, again, want to thank you for your grace towards me, towards each other. And, and especially towards, towards God's word and what it has for us over these last couple weeks. And so as I was looking forward to, to you shall not steal, I thought, okay, we're going to get a little bit of a break here, right? Uh, for the most part, we can agree that this one is pretty straightforward. In fact, a, a fairly outdated survey by the Barna Group uh, communicated that uh, 86% of American adults feel that they have never broken this commandment, thou shalt not steal, it's an interesting thing, right? It, it, that's a lot of people. 86 out of 100 adults say that they have never broken this commandment, that they've fully committed to this. And so, so if that's true, then this isn't going to be a very hard conversation. This isn't going to be a very hard sermon to preach because all of us, for the most part, have fulfilled this, right? I think, we're, I think, I think some of those 86% were fooling themselves. Because I think, at, again, there, there's a difference. There, there's there's a difference between um, 
the letter of the law and, and what we perceive to be a fulfillment of it and, and what God really intends and what God really means at the, at the core. And so as we get into that, I do want to make a, to, to pause and make a, a distinction between the eighth commandment and the tenth commandment. Uh, if you're reading ahead, the tenth commandment is about you shall not covet. You shall not covet your, your neighbor's possessions and, and, and the, number eight and number ten, don't steal and don't covet are very closely connected. And I want to differentiate them in, in this way, and, and it's going to lead us into the sermon then a couple weeks from now. Uh, t- today we're going to be talking about the actual act of stealing, taking someone else's possessions, uh, uh, acquiring things that don't belong to you, uh, the actual um, stealing of those things. In a couple weeks, we're going to talk about really what lies underneath that, and that's that's that covetous nature, that desire to always have things that don't belong to us, that, in other words, greed that lies below the issue of stealing. And so I'm going to do my best to, to keep those two things separate. And so today we're going to talk a lot about um, the actual stealing of things. Uh, and then in two weeks, we're going to talk about really what's behind that and talk about uh, the greed and the, and the love of things that aren't always the best for us. Uh, and, and ultimately how we can find contentment and joy in Christ and not in any worldly material possession. So, so that's where we're going to be going this week and, and two weeks from now. And I just want you to be aware of that. And so, uh, as I mentioned already, a lot of us think if we look at this surface level of this commandment, we think that we've got it all down and that it's not going to be a very, uh, hard thing to live up to. But I want to, I want to read from you. Uh, from the Heidelberg Catechism, many of you are obviously familiar with this uh, question and answer number 110 and 111 both deal with this commandment. But I want to read 110 to you. The question is, what does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? And the answer is, he forbids not only outright theft and robbery punishable by law, but in God's sight, theft also includes cheating and swindling our neighbor. By schemes made to appear legitimate, such as inaccurate measurements of weight, size, or volume, fraudulent merchandising, counterfeit money, excessive interests, or any other means that are forbidden by God. In addition, he forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. Now that is a much broader scope than just don't steal money from a bank, right? There's a lot more going on there. In fact, in fact, uh, the, the catechism pretty much covers all its bases when it says any other means forbidden by God, right? And pointless squandering of his gifts. That pretty much covers the gambit, right? If we think about that uh, and what that means, uh, we can see that there's more here going on than just what we would consider, you know, grand theft larceny. And so I want to take a moment uh, this morning to just kind of talk about, kind of break down some of those and, and, and how we see them in, in, in Scripture and maybe see them in our own lives and then uh, and go on to see what is really at the heart, again, of this commandment. And so the first thing and the most obvious thing that, that this commandment forbids is just outright theft, right? Taking things that don't belong to you. It's one thing to, like I said already, steal from a bank, right? We all would recognize that that is wrong, to steal money that doesn't belong to you. Um, but, but what about taking the pen from the bank? Right? That's a little different, right? That's how, we, we find ourselves having done that by accident a lot of times. I know I found myself at home with a pen in my pocket that doesn't belong to me, right? I just write out my deposit slip and put it in there. Um, how many of us have maybe taken things from work that don't always belong to us that we don't consider that big of a deal? 
Right? Theft is still theft. Taking things that don't belong to you is, is not honoring of God and, and what he desires from us. And, and the Old Testament uh, expands on, on this commandment in Exodus chapter 22, verses 1 through 15, detailing some of the maybe more egregious or more obvious examples of what theft looks like. And obviously some of those don't, always, don't necessarily apply directly to us today, but the bottom line is still the same, that, that theft is, and stealing is taking something that doesn't belong to you. And there's a reason for that, because God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts, as, as James says. And if, and if God has given us all of these things, if, if, if God is the giver of those things, then, then to take things that don't belong to us is to go against God's plan, to go against God's distribution of his gifts. You know, we can maybe point to the obvious examples of, of uh, the exceptions, maybe the exceptions to the rule in our own minds. You know, the classic dilemma is, is the person who steals a loaf of bread, right, to feed their starving family. Is that wrong of them? Is that, is that breaking the commandment or is there some greater law or at work? In uh, Proverbs chapter 6, Verse 30 through 31, it actually addresses that exact issue. If I could just find my page here. It says in verses 30 and 31, People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. Right, this idea here is like, yeah, nobody's going to necessarily blame you from a worldly perspective, right? You do what you have to do. That bread is needed to feed your family. And, and nobody's necessarily going to blame you for that from a worldly perspective. But the reality is that is still in violation of the commandments. It says if he's caught, he's going to have to pay sevenfold, right? In other words, just like as we talked about with, with that moral dilemma with Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, and, and the time leading up to World War II, as we talked about you shall not kill, to break a commandment is still breaking a commandment. It is still wrong. It is still a violation, uh, even if it's done for good purposes. And so we always need to remember that even when put in a, in a lose-lose situation, it's, it's important to recognize the, the wrong that is, is done, but also um, realize that sometimes it's the necessary of two evils. Another example of, of theft that would be uh, breaking these, this commandment would be fraud. It mentions in the Heidelberg inaccurate weights. This was a practice that was often done in old times. Uh, you know, money wasn't exchanged as we understand it. Goods were bartered and traded for. And so um, people would have a, a system of weights and measures in order to verify just how much grain or just how much uh, uh, wheat or whatever is being is being. Um, being traded for. And what would happen is people would have a, have un, uh, inaccurate weights. They would have a, they would have weights that would say 10 pounds, but they'd really only be nine. Or they'd have weights that would say five pounds and they'd really be six or seven. And that, the reason for that is because they could get the better deal. They were fooling the people they were working with into giving them, uh, more or less than they deserved. And that was strictly forbidden in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 13 through 15. He says, do not have two differing weights in your bag, one heavy, one light. Do not have two differing measures in your house, one large, one small. 
You must have accurate and honest weights and measures so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You see, to, to be dishonest, to, to fool someone into giving up more than they should or, or to take from someone more than you deserve is theft as well. Right? And so God cares about honest and accurate economic practices and business practices. It's important to honor God and be truthful and trustworthy as we deal uh, with, with our money and deal with the purchasing and the selling of goods. Because God is a trustworthy and truthful God. And so to be dishonest is to dishonor Him in that way. Not only to, to, to rob from our neighbors, but also to dishonor God with our, with our lies and our falsehood. It's also possible to, to take something from someone legally and yet still be in a violation of this commandment. In other words, just because something is allowed doesn't mean it's right. Just because it's legal to do something doesn't mean it's honoring of God. And just, just because you can get away with it doesn't mean that you should. A classic example of this from, from the Old Testament is, is King Ahab and, his, and Queen Jezebel stealing, uh, stealing the vineyard from Nathor um, in 1 Kings chapter 21. Ahab approached him and wanted to purchase his vineyard and buy it, and he refused. He said, it would be wrong of me to give up my family's land to the king. Uh, and so, and so he refused. And, and instead of just being okay with it, uh, Jezebel had, had his death arranged for. Um, he was accused of blasphemy and cursing the king. And so, so he was stoned to death in a legal way, although it was a false accusation. It was the legal punishment for those crimes. And after his death, Ahab was able to then assume ownership of that property which was near his his palace and so it was technically legal right he didn't break the law by 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 doing what he did um but yet it was still wrong to do it but as the king he had every right to take that land but yet it was still wrong it was still stealing from him and taking advantage of that situation and so we need to also recognize that there's times in our lives where where it's okay Right? Legally or at, or at work or whatever. It's not technically against the rules. We can get away with it. But it's still gonna, it's still not right. We need to acknowledge that, that God's law supersedes the laws of our, of our country or the laws of our workplace. Um, and even though it's, it's, it's technically legal, it is still wrong in God's sight to take something that doesn't belong to you. Those are all material things and, and, and looking at this from a material perspective, but, but we also can steal things that are immaterial, right? We can steal time. We can misuse our time or, or take time away from things that we ought to, to give to it. Um, whether that's at work, whether it's with our family, whether it's with our church, right? We have certain obligations and certain commitments and when we, when we take away time from those things, in a sense, we're stealing that those, that time. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 urges us to be wise with our time. To not waste it away, but, but to use it wisely. And so we need to recognize that, that we can also steal by, by, by misusing our time and, you, and misappropriating it uh, throughout our, our days or our weeks or our, even our years. Another, another thing, way to steal that maybe is in a material way, but it's, it's depriving people of what they rightly deserve. In Romans chapter 13, Paul urges us to leave no debts unpaid. 
Romans chapter 13, verse 7. He says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And then in verse 8, he goes on to say, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. In other words, we need to give to those who deserve it. We need to give to the people that we owe to because to deprive them of what they deserve, to deprive them of what we owe them is in a sense stealing from them as well. You may not be taking anything physical from them. You may not be be stealing from them in a more literal sense, but but you are by depriving them of what they deserve. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 27 encourages us to give um, to give to those or do do not withhold good from from others when it is in your power to do so. In other words, if we're able to help another person, if we owe them something, if we're able to do good, it's wrong of us to withhold that. If we owe someone something, we need to repay that debt, whether that's monetary, whether that's some sort of material agreement, or whether that's that the debt of, of a time commitment or, or other uh, resources that we can commit to something. We need to always uh, honor our debts and, and, um, and fulfill our obligations because to deprive people of what they deserve is to steal from them as well. And Scripture takes these, these things seriously. In addition to all of the, the commandments and the laws that outlaw stealing and outlaw theft, there's also the law of restitution that not only do we need to repay our debts, not only do we need to give back to those that we have taken from, but we need to, to make up for that as well and to add on to it. In Numbers chapter 5, verses 5 through 6, there's this kind of general law that, that we should add a fifth at 20%. To those that we have stolen from, if if I were to to steal from from you and and I am caught, right? It's not enough just to pay back what I owe you. God's word says that we need to make up for that. We need to to add on to it to to show our our repentance, to show our our desire to make things right. In other words, we need to 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 show restitution, give restitution for our wrongs. We see this in, in the New Testament in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, the story of Zacchaeus. Right? We often remember Zacchaeus as that wee little man, right? You know, the Sunday school song. We think, picture him climbing the sycamore tree and as Jesus is passing by and Jesus sees him and says, I'm going to come to your house. And, 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 and at the end of the story, as, as, as Jesus' grace and the gospel obviously makes a difference in Zacchaeus' life, he makes this promise. You see, Zacchaeus had been a tax collector, and, and one of the, the things that tax collectors often did, unfortunately, is they took more than they needed to. They were put in a position of power, and, 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 and Rome didn't care how much you collected as long as they got their due. And so many tax collectors would, would take more than they were supposed to, and that's how they would then get rich themselves. And, and they accumulated a lot of wealth and a lot of power as a result of it, but they also acquired a lot of a, a, a very bad reputation. But Zacchaeus, being one of these tax collectors, is, is struck by the grace of Christ. And, and, and in response to Jesus reaching out to him, and in response to the time he spent with the Savior, he promises to pay back not just what he owes, but he says four times the amount that he owes. See, God's grace had gone to him to such an extent that he, was, he desired not only to make restitution, but to give back even more. See, when God's grace reaches us, it's not enough to just want to 
want to make up for our wrongs. We want to, we want to allow God's grace and forgiveness to be on display as well. And so as we seek forgiveness from others, as we seek to make restitution, it, it's a display of God's love and His grace when we go above and beyond what is needed because that's what He's done for us. See, really at the core of this whole conversation, the, the heart of this commandment is about stewardship. I mentioned already that God owns all things. In Psalm 24, verse 1, the psalmist reminds us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. See, everything belongs to the Lord. He created it. And all everything we see in this world belongs to Him. We are simply being stewards of, of God's creation. Our wealth, our family, our time, our resources, our jobs are all, all dependent on Him and, and derive their meaning and derive their purpose from Him. And so to, to um, be good stewards is to use those things wisely. And it's not good stewardship then to take what other people have been entrusted. Take from them what God has given them. And so this is really about stewardship. It's about, about using what God has given us wisely. And that includes so much more than just money. It includes our time, our talents, our treasure, and our testimony. And so to waste those things away, whether it's our own resources that we squander or whether it's, it's stealing from someone else, to, to squander those things is to, to dishonor God and, and to uh, deprive us and others of what God has given us and what God desires for us to have. And I mentioned this is so much more than just material things. I believe it's when we speak of God's gifts to us, that includes our spiritual gifts as well. That includes our ability to give back to the kingdom of God. And so to, to squander those gifts is also a, a violation of this commandment. God has given you certain talents, certain abilities, certain commitments that you're able to make. And to, to not follow through with those is, 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 in a sense, depriving God's church of what, he, of, 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 your, of what you have to offer. That goes for myself. That goes for, for all of us here sitting in this sanctuary, listening in on the radio. If God has given you something, whether that's a talent or, or, or treasure or, or the time that you have or, or even your testimony, what God has done in your life, and you're not using it, there's something missing there. We're, we're falling short of what God's intended purpose is for us. And, 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 and those things have been given not just for our own benefit, but so that we can encourage and uplift others. And so when we squander that, we're wasting that opportunity to truly be a blessing. In Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus gives us what's commonly known as the golden rule, right? Treat others as you would want to be treated yourself. And if you think about it, this commandment and, and stewardship, it really, really is about following that rule to, to, uh, to include our possessions and the things that God has entrusted to us. We, w- we shouldn't steal from other people because we wouldn't want them to steal from us. We shouldn't waste our talents and treasures because, because in, in opportunities for us to be a blessing to someone else because we would hope that in turn they would be a blessing to us in our time of need. Right? There's this, this connection between, um, between us and, and our neighbors, between us and the people sitting next to you in your pew, in the pew. And God desires for us to, 
to, to encourage and help and, and lift one another up. And when we deprive one another of that opportunity, in a sense, we're stealing from them. And we need to remember that, that where, our heart is, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Jesus reminds us that in the, ser- in the Sermon on the Mount that, uh, that we should be storing up treasures in heaven. We too often focus on worldly things, don't we? We focus on how much money we have in the bank account, how big our house is, um, what kind of uh, possessions we have, and, and what kind of even status we might have as a result of those possessions and those things. And the problem is all of those things will pass away. All of those things will be gone. And in some cases, sooner rather than later, right? Our, our goods don't last the newest computer, the newest phone is out of date the moment you buy it, right? Our money will not last forever. And so we need to, we need to quit putting our hope and finding our fulfillment in those things. Instead, we need to focus on, on, um, on our relationship with the Lord. And we'll get into what that means more in two weeks when we talk about being, uh, trying to avoid covetousness. But there's also this, the, the reverse of stealing. So, so we should not only, it, it's, it's important for us to not steal from others, but the reverse is true as well. We need to have a heart that is generous and willing to give. Because I don't believe it's enough for us to just not take what we, what others deserve, but it's important for us to also be willing to give so that they may be blessed as well. In Genesis chapter 1 verses, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3, uh, we get the, the call of Abraham. Right, God calls Abram out of his land, away from his family, and promises to lead him into a new land, and promises to make him a great people and a great nation, and that the entire world will be blessed through him. And it says right in those verses, right at the very beginning of Abram's story, that the whole reason that God is doing this, the whole reason that God is choosing to bless Abram is so that he would then be, in turn, be a blessing to the whole world. His life, his family, his, 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 um, the generations that would follow would be a blessing to the entire world. And, and in a sense, we're still called to that same, uh, that same promise. We're called to be a blessing to others. God has given you what he's given you, not just so you could be blessed, but so that you could take that and give it to others as well. And we see a great example of this in the early church in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 45. In this, the first description of the church shortly after Pentecost, it says that, that all believers, they committed themselves to the teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, to prayers, all those things. And then there's this comment about how they, they held things in common, that they, they, uh, they sold their possessions in order to help those who were in need. And I don't believe these verses are, are like a, a manifesto for, for socialism or anything like that. Of course not. What this passage is teaching us is that, that we, we should not hold on to our possessions so tightly that they are more important than, the, than our neighbor who needs help. And if God has blessed us, if God has given us to us abundantly, the whole reason is so that we can then give to those who are in need. We shouldn't be holding on to our own things so tightly, our own possessions, our own money, that when we see a need that we're able to meet, that we refuse to let go. In other words, we need to have an open hand. We need to be generous. We need to be giving. And sometimes that means sacrificing things that are important to us in order that our neighbor, our brother and sister in Christ, our stranger down the street 
can be helped and can have the things that they need. And so as we learn what it means to, to not steal, when, when we understand that this is really all about stewardship, being wise with, with what God has entrusted to us, we realize that it's all about not just avoiding stealing, but also being willing to give and help those that are in need. If we were to truly open our eyes, we would see that there are needs all around us. And God has God makes us aware of those things so that we can help as we are able to do so. Now, I do have to say in closing that this is, uh, it's been a blessing to be a part of this church the last two and a half years because I've been able to witness firsthand you taking that to heart. You are such a generous and giving church, and it's such a blessing to see and in ways that we often don't even get a chance to talk about or celebrate. But, and so I want to thank you for your the ways that you've been generous to people and, and in situations that maybe you aren't even aware of through our mission projects and through our Those in Need Fund. But I also want to encourage you to keep on giving, to keep being generous, to keep, uh, uh, keep um, your possessions lightly in your hands so that you may give as, as, as needs arise. Because, uh, as, as Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I believe the, that where our money goes, there our heart will go also. The, the, the opposite of that is also true. The way we spend our money, the, way, the things that we give towards, we're going to care about. We're going to, to have a desire to see those things succeed and grow. And so as we learn to give, our heart will follow that. As we learn to give to mission projects or, or ministries, our, our care and our desire to see those things succeed will follow. See, giving, in a sense, is, is an act of worship. When we give, when we let go of our possessions, when we say, uh, when we put, whether it's putting in the offering plate or helping the, someone else in need, uh, we're acknowledging that, that our money, our possessions, aren't our Savior. They're not our God, that Christ alone is. And that when we let go of our money, we are, we are saying that we don't worship that and, and that we can uh, freely let go of those things. And so I want to encourage you to think in those terms as well. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you are a good and generous and giving God. Uh, thank you that you have given us to us so freely in Christ and that you have blessed us, Lord, in, in so many ways. And I pray, Lord, that we in turn would be a blessing, that we would learn to not take or, or steal from others, but instead learn to give and give freely. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and in closing, sing number 349, Trust and Obey.
Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. You may go in peace.